we are starting tonight a two-week series called Storytellers, uh, and this is where we are trying to connect you, uh, seven tenors, seven ten age young adults, uh, to stories that are happening in in the church, so in the congregation specifically here uh, in in Gilbert. And there, there's two reasons that we're doing um, we're doing this series, the Storyteller series. The first is I believe, and our kind of team that serves you, we believe that in our church, uh, the best people in our church are in this room tonight. So uh, if you, yeah, one person can clap for that. That's cool. <laughs> Me and you, we, we believe it. Uh, and, and I'm not. I'm not just saying that. I'm. I'm dead serious. As one of the people who leads out of this congregation, I'm constantly telling stories of what God's doing in and through this community. And I'm constantly um, just kind of hyping you guys in the way that you serve in our youth ministry, our kids ministry, uh, the way that you serve on Sunday. Some of you on, on like in a worship team capacity. Some of you just holding doors and doing things like that. And the way that you're loving each other in your communities and in your small groups. And then I'm. I'm literally always telling the stories, and I always want people, whoever I can, to know just how incredible this community is and how amazing uh, the young adults are in our congregation and, and are very much in a, a huge, vital part of who we are as a church. And I'm not just I'm not just saying that. It's not just lip service. That's a, that's a legit feeling that we have. In fact, that's a, a, a thought that across the board, uh, just the leadership that this church has, that's why we invest in something like this community. And so I, I, I want people from the church to know you first. Uh, and then on the other side, I want you to have the multi-generational connection that you should have in this congregation as well, too. So there are people who are just a few steps ahead of you down the line that you can learn tons from. And they are people who, while they may not know you or you might not know them, they love you like crazy and are like literally available and wanting and willing to invest in you in any way that they can and really just kind of help you through the next steps that you're going to take in life. Maybe even kind of point out some of the, the pitfalls and the things that they stepped in that, that you could avoid if you just would kind of hear some of the wisdom of someone who's gone before you. So I, I never never want people in 710 to think like, well, okay, I just, I go to 710, that's just the church. This is a ministry of a church. It's not the church, but I would love for you to connect to the church, which are people who are younger than you, people who are older than you, and people who are at the same stage of life um, and really know what it is to have this kind of multi-generational family that God in his brilliance has designed and put together. So th those are our are, 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 are two reasons that we did Storyteller. The third reason, I said there were two, I lied, there's three. Um, the third reason is that every one of our stories is ultimately God's story that he's writing. Um, and each one of us, those of us who know Jesus, who follow Jesus, we're trophies of his grace, of his unearned favor and mercy and forgiveness in our lives. And so every time we hear one of these stories, we're hearing the story of, oh yeah, God, you are good. You did that. You did that. You did that. And it reminds us of God's goodness in our lives. So our hope is that by you hearing these testimonies of hearing God's stories through the lives of these people in our church, that it stirs up your affection for him. And I know not everybody in the room is a Christian. And I 
I love that you're here with us. And maybe this is, there's something in, in the story that you hear tonight that maybe kind of turns a page for you um, or maybe intrigues you, or maybe makes you want to take a next step with Jesus. So tonight, uh, Shannon is actually going to host us. Uh, and uh, Dan Moon uh, from, our, from our church, incredible, incredible man of God, guy with a huge heart. You're going to see that tonight. Uh, loves the Lord, loves people, an amazing, amazing friend of ours, friend to this ministry is going to come and share his story. So would you guys give just a huge 710 welcome to uh, Shannon and Dan. How's everybody doing? Do you like my voice? Does it sound great? I do. I love your voice. Dan, uh, hold on. Let me, can I tell y'all about the first time I met Dan? Um, so we, he, his, his daughter and son-in-law own a gym. It's, it's a uh, kind of like a CrossFit gym right across the street here called uh, Floyd Factor. And <laughs> one of the afternoons I jogged over here from the church to the, to the building there to do a workout. And, uh, and I had seen Dan a few times around. But we had never really, like, interacted and really introduced ourselves to each other. So, so I'm working out, and all I hear is, Shannon Butler! <laughs> Shannon Butler, you're not doing it right! You're not doing it right! I'm like, why is this old dude yelling at me? My football days are over! This dude would run circles around us in the gym. I'm not going to disclose his age, but he's... Older than me, and I'm old, but but in tip-top shape, and and that is just a, a a part of his character that he does everything well. So I'm <laughs> I'm excited for you guys to to get to hear from our good friend here, Mr. Mr. Dan Moon. So let's just kick this thing off. Uh, so tell us name, address, uh, social security. Um, no. no problem. I'm all out there. <laughs> Um, Give us a no. little bit about yourself. Um, uh, Dan Moon, uh, no problem with my age. I'm 53. Um, and uh, I've never had an issue with my age hmm. and, until my son asked me when I started feeling old. I said, Dad, when did you start feeling old? And I go, about two seconds ago, <laughs> right? When you asked me that doggone question. Um, I have my incredible wife, uh, Debbie Moon. Ow! Let's give it up for Deb. She is <laughs> almost, uh, almost 32 years. Um, wow. And so going on 32 years, she's put up with me. Um, have a uh, daughter, son-in-law that Shannon just had mentioned. Uh, daughter, Lindsay, who's 29. A uh, son-in-law who is 35. I have a son who is 26, Luke. Um, and I have a granddaughter who's four and a grandson who's seven months. And just kills me. Um, and, and we've lived here in, in Phoenix for 25 years, a little over 25 years now, um, but originally from the Northwest, just outside of Portland in a little town there. Awesome. And so, awesome. So real quick, just tell us a, uh, briefly just about your childhood, what it was like growing up in the Northwest. Yeah, it was uh, actually really interesting. And, and I, I think from a childhood standpoint, it really framed a lot of a lot of my future. Uh, it was really interesting that at such a young age, um, my thoughts and, and my opinions were, were formed pretty pretty steadfastly. I mean they were they were kind of in concrete for a while. So I grew up in the church 
and my dad was a pastor, and I was, I mean, I was, I was in every day, um, and, and I'm going to say this really, really old word, and, but, but it'll describe kind of how close we were to the church. We lived in what was called the parsonage, and so um, parson, and that's where the parson lived, and so we literally lived right next to the church, and, um, and so I was there. I mean, it was who I was. Uh, it was my, my family is there in the church. My dad's a pastor. He's well-respected, and, and this is what life is, is the church. Yeah. Yeah. The four walls is what, and we were always, always there. Brothers and, and so sisters. I do. I have an older brother who's a couple of years older than I am, David. Um, and then I have a younger sister who's six years younger than me, uh, and her name is Cheryl Lee. And uh, my mom and my sister still live in that little town in Oregon. And my dad, I'm not really sure actually where he's at. We actually think he might live in Arizona. Hmm. So we're not really sure about that. So. so so, growing up in the church, and what was that experience like once, uh, once you got older? Yeah, uh, it, it was interesting. We had kind of, when I was young, we just kind of hopped around a lot, and, and there was a reason for that. Um, later on, I, I found out. But the, the church, it was obvious to me early on that, I mean, I was, of course I was, I was saved. Hmm. Of course I'm a Christian because I go to church all the time. I'm, in, I'm like one of the most saved people I know because I'm always there. And, and my dad's a pastor. So I was kind of saved because I went to this building and I was saved kind of by birth because my dad was a pastor. Of course yeah. I am. And... Um, but what was really interesting about that is that, that the church that we, that we went to, that my dad was a pastor of, was, they were, it was a, a lot of, about rules. It was about the rules and regulations. And, and God, wasn't a, God wasn't a distant God, but God was a judgmental God. God was kind of a hater until you made him you know, like you. And so if I, just, if I just worked hard enough, if I was kind of perfect as best I could, hopefully he liked me, maybe he'd love me, and maybe, just maybe, I could go to heaven. Mm. And so I had that concept, but there was like no relationship. Um, so we would try really, really hard, but then I'd go home, and, and home was completely opposite of church. And so, I mean, it, it was, it was, it could not be any more opposite. So dad would, we'd get in trouble and because if you screw up, you're not pleasing the Lord. So if you're not pleasing the Lord, then you're not pleasing dad, who's a pastor who has to please the Lord to his family. You can kind of connect the dots. So dad would kind of spank us until he, until he kind of got tired. So he, when he started sweating and he when he got tired and he put the belt down, then he'd stop. And and mom would she kind of her discipline of choice, her weapon of choice was extension cords, um, and you know, and then anything she could throw. So if if he had something, she'd just throw it. Wow. And so so we had that at home, and then I'd go to church, and boy, we were buttoned down. 
boy, you were buttoned down. And, and a couple of times he called me out from the pulpit. Oh, I was done. I just thought, seriously, I got to run away. How am I going to get out of here? You know? And so, um, but that, what was interesting is, is, and that started early on. And then later on, kind of early teenage years, we were kind of too old to, to spank. And so my dad would just hit us. I mean, we'd screw up somehow, Lord knows. And he'd just, he'd just start hitting us. And so, um, again, that really formed my image of not only the church, not only the people who go to the church, because my dad was supposed to be the kind of the epitome, right? The pinnacle, the pastor is always supposed to be the pinnacle of, of you know, perfection. Mm. Um, but it really formed my, obviously, my opinion of God and who he was. And so, obviously, I didn't measure up. And so... Did, did that, uh, how, how did that affect your life as far as, like, the relationship with your mom and dad, siblings... Like the, that whole the whole relationship. How did that? Uh, yeah, it was weird. I mean, it's kind of all we knew, right? The church was all we kind of lived in this little bubble, and it, it's this it was this church bubble that we lived in. So it, it, nothing really happened. I, I grew up with my wife, and we've known each other since we were kids, and um, and and it, outside of that bubble was so foreign to me. That all I knew was church, family, so this is all it was. And so our relationship was strained, as, as you can imagine, um, but it was still all governed by the church. And so we, the kids kind of clung to each other. I clung to my brother. He clung to me. Um, Mom and dad kind of came in and out, depending on what was going on at the church. It kind of drifted in and out of the house. And yeah. my brother and I would go find food and eat. When yeah. we could, we had, I would say, kicked around. We had I had one square a day, man. Prison <laughs> was looking good. <laughs> I, I get at least two squares a day in prison. Yeah, wow. So, now you said something earlier as far as uh, you think your dad is living in Arizona. So, yeah. talk about the moment when it kind of, when when everything kind of hit the fan. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was interesting. So it, it really kind of blew apart. And the whole thing blew apart when I was uh, 15. It came out that Dad had had been having affairs with with multiple women um, in in every church that we were that we were at. So the denomination that we were a part of would just pick him up and move him. So they would find out about it and they'd pick him up and move him somewhere else to another church. Um, and this went on for years until we landed in this little town in Oregon where we stayed for a little while. Um, same, same thing happened. Dad was having affairs there, and then he had a, a two-year affair with a 14-year-old girl um, and, and then just took off. So um, the morning he came, to, he handed me a, a 30 6 and him, my brother a 22, and he said, boys, um, I got to go. And I, I went, I don't know, I got the bigger gun, so yeah, I'm good. No, but, and then, so he was gone, poof. Uh, the church was gone, obviously. My whole identity <clears throat> was gone at that point. A wow. um, month later, I found out um, pretty dramatically that my mom had been a kleptomaniac almost her entire life. Uh, from when she was a, a small kid, she would just steal things. 
Um, and so, and, it, and she never shook it. Um, so she was actually stealing from the people in the church. And she would find out when they would go on vacation and, and, um, and then she would go and, and rob them blind. And, and then one time uh, somebody in the church came home early from vacation and she had the car loaded up and, and that was it. And so that happened maybe a couple months later, maybe one or two months later. And so dad took off to, to I don't know where, um, took off to flee prosecution. And then mom took off to uh, flee prosecution and left my brother and I there in that little town on our own. I was 16 and, and my brother was 18. And so. Wow. Wow. Talk about how it was for you and your brother, 18 and 16 years old, doing life together. Oh, I was making some killer choices back then. Man, a living. You can imagine. So, well, you know, anybody who's paying the electric bill is an adult. So, uh, so yeah, no. Um, I, basically, my drugs of choice were, were alcohol and, and pot. And, um, you know, I thank the Lord. I mean, looking back, I had no qualms about the kind of drugs I took. I mean, I, I literally had no thought about it. If someone offered me something, I would just, I would take it, whatever it was. It just was what it was. I had no thought about it. But whenever I was offered hard drugs, whether it was cocaine, whether it was heroin, whatever, um, I, I always refused it. I still, to this day, I have no idea why. I mean, it was God. It was a God thing. Because I had no issue with free drugs of any kind. If it was free, I'm in. Um, so I, I started smoking heavy, and 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 really, more than more than anything, it was it was just I was dabbling. I was dabbling in stuff. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. I was I was trying to figure out what life was. Right. I, I mean, all of a sudden the the bubble burst, and and you're doing life. And I'm th- I have no idea what this looks like. Yeah. And and I'm I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what is this? I don't go to church anymore. My family's gone. I, my identity's gone. Um. So I started trying to grab it. I I think that's it. Man, I I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. Got I got I got put in jail on that one. Grab that one. Oh, I got put in jail on that one too, or whatever. And so um, I was just trying to figure out life, yeah. and 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 making it. I mean, it's working a full time job and and kind of going to high school ish. Um, so. So what what was the turning point? What would you say like the the light truly came on, and God entered the picture, and now now your life has taken. The shape of Christ. Yeah, you know, I um, I don't have one of those, you know, meeting God on the Damascus Road type testimonies. You know, people who do, like I always say, I kind of have a testimony envy a little bit because I was a slow burn. Um, <laughs> and uh, right after high school, um, actually graduated, it was phenomenal. Um, and I ended up in California. And uh, basically living the exact same life 
that I was in Northern California that I, I had left in Oregon. Um, just followed family down there. That's, that's what took me down to Northern California. And um, one day, after about six months of living there, I'm sitting, I'm smoking a cigarette and hungover, and, and I just stopped. And I thought, what are you doing, Dan? I, the day before, I was like, I was happy. I was like, this is great. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm drinking. I'm, this is awesome. I can do whatever I want. Nobody's holding me down. And the next day, I'm sitting there, and I literally thought, what am I doing? And, and I smoked one or two packs a day since I was 16. And I was 19 at the time, 20, 20 at the time. And from that moment on, I, I didn't crave a cigarette after that. Not, not once. It was gone. Wow. I, I put the cigarette out, and I, I never picked up another one. So about two weeks later, I find out that my, my wife, is, um, who is completely the antithesis of me, by the way. I just want you to know this. So Debbie was saved at a young age. Um, okay. She's a believer. And um, she is to the point where she's a counselor in young life in high school. So she's counseling kids her own age. Well, she ends up in a young life camp, counseling in a young life camp, lo and behold, about 45 minutes away from where I'm living. So I track her down, and she can't stand, she can't stand me at this point. She's like, I am so done with you. And um, I'm calling her. It's okay. She's like, quit calling me. So... Um, so I lie my way into the camp. I tell him that my fiance lives is is there, <laughs> and uh, and they go, sure, come on in. <laughs> some <laughs> some pothead just yeah, my fiance is in there. It's great. And, um, <laughs> took a couple of mints, got the cigarette out. No, no, I'm kidding. Um, and so I walk in, and Deb is sitting there, and I walk up to Deb, and and. And she's like, what are, you know, what are you doing here? This is nuts. I said, hey, I, I just want you to know that I, I'm, I'm moving back to Oregon here in a couple months, and uh, we're going to get married. She's like, yeah, no. Yeah, not no, but no. And huh. um, I said, I know, I'm, I, I know I'm a jerk. I'm an ass. I, I'm a jerk. I get that. I, I, but but it's okay. You'll you'll like me again. <laughs> I, I promise. And so, so it, it seemed like that worked. I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't know, man. I don't know. I was, anyway, I was, I, I was. It was it was ice to Eskimos, man. I was selling ice to Eskimos. And so she, you know, she, again, she's like, no way. I'm done. I said, I, it's okay. I get it. I mm. I know I'm. A, it's okay. I know you don't like me, but you will. It's okay. I'll come back, and we're going to get married. And so I just got up and walked away. Um, and so, uh, so what's interesting, though, is, is I'm actually trying to get to answer your question yeah, at no, some no, point. No. Um, so one day I wake up, and, and, and I just I can't stand cigarettes anymore. Okay. A week or two later, I'm, I'm 
standing in front of, of my now wife and saying, I'm a jerk and I'm an idiot. Hmm. And, and two weeks before that, I was, oh man, gosh, I was the coolest guy on the planet. Yeah. I yeah. was huge. I had Hawaiian shorts. I had a mullet going. It was awesome. Oh. And, like, like some and of these kids' dads. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so we do have pictures of the mullet, which is kind of scary, actually. It's great. Um, but, but what's interesting, though, is, is I, at that moment, I wasn't saved. Okay. I, I didn't have this relationship with God, but it was like I woke up and went, I'm an idiot. I'm translated. I'm a sinner. I'm a jerk. My life... I'm just, I'm a jerk. Hmm. And not too many days before that, I was pretty cool. And, and that's when God really just started grabbing me, just grabbing my heart. And so ended up heading back to Oregon. Um, we did get married, just let you in on that. <laughs> um, but what was funny is, is even then I started going to church for all the wrong reasons. I got to go to church. I got to I got to hang out with my wife. I need, I need to be good. I need to go to church. That's what good people do. And so I was still going to church for all the wrong reasons. Still had an opinion about people, church, right? I mean, church was a place where all the bad people, all the hateful people went. I mean, that's just, but I got to go because I got to, I, I don't know. I got to figure this out. I got to, you know, that's, that's where I go to be kind of good. Yeah. And I would say not more than maybe a month later, I'm sitting in church with Deb on a Sunday, and it just smacks me out of the blue. You're not saved, Dan. It's not about the church. It's not about people. It's not about Debbie. It's not about your family. It's not about this. It's about me, Dan. So that, I mean, that was, that was the moment when God said, Dan, you're mine. Wow. I, I want you. And you're finally to the point where we can have a relationship now. Got rid of all the white noise. Hmm. And it, it, was, it was an amazing moment. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Dang it, it took a while to get there, but, you know. <laughs> Amen. Um, but it, it was incredible. So <clears throat> you, you have this, this process. Like you said, some folks have this road to Damascus experience, but for you it's more of a, of a process, more of a, <laughs> um, just took a little, little bit longer. Um, but when that moment did happen, what talk about the transformation um, with family, with mom, maybe even dad, like what, what started happening there? Yeah, I, I can only tell you, I mean, the first thing, really the first thing that happened um, after that realization of who I am, I'm a sinner, I need a savior, and, and only Christ is going to save me, right? That's, that's it, was forgiveness. I, I mean, the next, it, it was like, I had, as you can imagine, now at this point, my, my mom had, had moved back, and I was back living with her, and we kind of reconciled a little bit. There was obviously some tension, um, but I'll never forget, and, and at that, 
See, here's the thing. I mean, so I get saved. Okay. N- nothing's ever like, it just doesn't go away. Mm. I mean, I, I, had, I had fines to pay. I had tickets to pay. I had restitution for all the stuff, all the crap I did before, before I went to California. I did a lot of stuff. I had, I had to get my life in order just because God saved me. Doesn't mean all this baggage isn't sitting there that I, I, I don't have to deal with. So I'm dealing with that, but that passion to, to deal with that, I mean, it was overwhelming. It was, I, I got to do this. I'm visiting people, asking for forgiveness wow. for what I had done before. I'm talking to people. I mean, and, and I mean, Deb was. That was on the, the front row of all of that. She's like, why are we going to see these people? And so yeah, she's like, yeah, well, yeah. basically translated, why are you dragging me down <laughs> with you? And, and so that, that forgiveness. So when I say forgiveness, it was seeking, seeking forgiveness and forgiving at yeah. the same time. And, and it, it didn't happen overnight. But there was that, that realization that God forgave me. You know, wow, Dan. You're forgiven. So why in the world would you not forgive? Why would you not seek for? And the, the, some of the people that I went to, I mean, they didn't, they didn't forgive me. They were like, no. I mean, you, you did this to me. I'm not going to forgive you. Wow. And, and that, that hurt a lot. But at the same time, I got it. I mean, I, I got it. Um, but it, it was what I knew I had to do. There's one um, particular relationship, if you could just talk really, really quick on, and it was a relationship between you and and Deb's dad. Uh. What what was that like? I mean, because he probably knew of the old Dan Moon and some of the stories that that the old Dan Moon was into. What was that relationship like? Uh, So, hey, here, before... Before Christ and then after. Yeah, no, um, that's that's awesome. Uh, you know, it was interesting. Um, Deb's dad, his name is uh, the last name. Debbie's maiden name is Murphy, so he goes by Murph. As every person, every man whose last name is Murphy goes by Murph. And um, and so, uh, what was interesting is is that I mean, he was. Oh gosh, man. My daughter, my daughter is dating a pastor's kid. We've hit the jackpot, you know? Yes. <laughs> you know, and he had no idea. And I asked him that years later. I said, what, what were you thinking? Just letting me in your house. He goes, I thought you were good, you know? <laughs> You're a pastor's kid. You're supposed to be good. So um, obviously, you know, Deb and I have known each other since I was, I was 14. She was 13. And so, you know, just not too long after that, um, I mean, the wheels came off, and I, I'm drinking. And, um, so what's interesting is they'd find me in the, you know, somewhere, pass out, and, and, and they'd call Murph. See, Murph. Um, hey, we got Dan. Can you come and get him? Yep. I'll get him. So he'd come and get me. And then, you know. However long it would go by, he, a couple of times he they said, "Mark, we got Dan again. He's passed out here in the park or whatever." And um, 
do we need you to come and get him? And what was interesting, he never said a word. He would just come, pick me up. He, he just loved me. He, he showed me Christ. And, and I didn't realize it. I mean, I was still there, ended up in California, still living the same life. But at the same time, that, that, was, that was the body of Christ in one man just showering love on me. And it didn't say, you need to be saved, Dan. You need, uh, I mean, he yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't preach at me. He just showed me love. Um, and, and I don't think to this day, I don't think, I don't think he ever told you. I don't think he ever told you about those, huh? Hmm. And so, um, what's that? Oh. Yeah, I oh. ended up telling her, I know, <laughs> right? And so, um, you know, it was that, it was that consistency uh, and I found out years later, too, that he was praying for me all the time. And, I mean, constantly praying. And I heard this not from him, but from other guys. And um, other, other peers of his would tell me all the time. And, and so it was just that love, that just Christ's love. Because, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, this guy, he's, he's an athlete, man. This guy's a, he's a good-sized dude. And, and I've just been, I have been killing his daughter. For, I mean, I've been emotionally just, just devastating to his daughter for years. And he's showing me love? If that's not Christ, then I don't know what it is. Wow. As we kind of get to the tail end of this deal, um, if you could talk about the hurt that you experienced through the church mm. of being a, a, a PK's uh, pastor's kid and what that hurt kind of translated to as an adult, but then having found Christ and now that church hurt no longer having an effect on your role as a leader, as a mentor, like Talk through that for someone who maybe has had an experience in being hurt by the church. Well, no, I, I got to tell you, I mean, that's, that was some, of the, that was some of the hardest stuff, that, some of the hardest baggage to get through. You, I mean, you just, you hold on to all of the, all of the hateful things that people can say. And, and, and they're the church, right? They're in that building. Yeah. And so you asked me what started to happen when, when Christ saved me. What started to happen was I started separating the people from the building, hmm. right? It, it, the church w wasn't four walls. The, the church wasn't, wasn't going to save me. The Bible wasn't going to save me. Right, the, I mean, when I say the church, the building, yeah. you know, the Bible wasn't going to save me. Jesus is going to save me. I know a lot of people who know everything there is to know about the Bible, mm. and 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 they're not saved by their own admission. Not not Dan Moon, right, not right, at right. all, <laughs> not at all. And so, um, but what's interesting is, is I started separating the people from the building itself, and I started being able to look at the church like Christ looks at the church, as a body of people. I still have 
all, all this baggage. The church is full of hypocrites. By the way, it is, just so you know, the church is full of hypocrites, and I'm like chief among them. Hmm. Um, and we strive, I strive to live my life for the Lord every single day, and I fail every single day. And God gives me mercy and grace every single day. And, and uh, I mean, it, it, I carried so, I mean, when they had membership deals here, Debbie and I have had the pleasure of being here for 24 years. And, oh, they came out with, uh, they came out with membership. I, there's no way we're going to become a member of that church. There's no way we're becoming a member of any church. No way. Oh, I, I was still carrying that around. Hmm. And, and so, God worked, he just chiseled me down, and he just kept saying, Dan, listen, it's not the building, it's the people, it's the people, it's the people, love, 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 the people. You have no idea, by the way, how much I love you. And I don't say that because I'm sitting here in front of you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it took a while. And, and that's what I would say to, I think, to anyone in here who's, who's had that church hurt. And here's, this is what I found out early on. It's not if, it's when. Wow. It's not if you're going to be church hurt. It's when you're going to be church hurt. Because guess what? Everybody who comes through those doors are human beings, and we fail, and we need forgiveness, and we need mercy. You know, one of the guys I like listening to, he said, the best of men are men at best. Hmm. They, just, they just are. And, and, it, and it, it, took, it took so many years for the love of Christ to just literally blow all of that baggage away. Um, but it started with loving the body of Christ. And this is what I think changed me more than anything was Dan. It was this, it was this thought, Dan, if you don't like the church, if you don't like being in the church, what are you doing about it? You're going to run away or are you going to dig in? Mm. Are you going to change the church? Are you going to get in and get involved and serve and love and be there? And, and that, I think, and somebody challenged me early on after moving here um, to do that. That's great. And that, that, was, that was incredible. That's great. That's great. Um, I don't know if you will have another opportunity to sit in front of 110, 115 young adults again. So... Let's use this time wisely. What is one piece of advice you would give to this age group dealing in this culture and age that, that, that they're dealing with right now? What yeah. is one thing that you would tell them maybe that you wish your dad would have told you or mm. something that will help them in, this, in the next stage of life? Yeah. Um. Gosh, there, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of things, um, but 
One, I, th- I think you hit on something. If, if I knew at a young age what I know now, mm. that, that Christ is just going to take me as I am. He, he's, I don't have to get it all together. I don't, and we hear this all the time, guys, and I'm sorry. It's just, it's very cliche. And, but what's so funny about cliche statements and words sometimes is they're right. Um, he, he, I, I didn't, if I knew as a kid, Dan, Christ is, yeah, Christ loves you with your baggage, with all the, with all the stuff that you bring to the table, all the crap that you bring to the table. Christ loves you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have your ducks in a row. You don't have that, have to have that all the dominoes set up all standing up. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Um, that would have, uh, I don't know if I'd be saved, Shannon. I, I don't know, bud. But at the same time, that would completely change how I, how I saw the world. As an adult, here's the bottom line. <laughs> let me let you in on a revelation. Have I been mad at people at redemption? Absolutely. Have people treated me poorly? Yep. <laughs> Have I treated other people poorly? Yeah. When you do life with people, you know, when you dig in, Guys, when you love people, it's inconvenient. Right? It is. It's good. And, 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 and that inconvenience comes in so many different forms. Right? Yeah. yeah. Being there. Picking somebody up. What? Fill in the blank. Um, what I would tell you is dig in. If you, if you love, then love. And, and as best you can, try to love unconditionally. Which is unattainable. But run to it. Strive for it. Crawl, scratch and crawl to love. And that will lead, that will lead to incredible relationships with the body of Christ. And that will lead to forgiveness. And, and that's what I would say. The one word is forgive. And, and just forgive. Because I've been forgiven. <laughs> and I'm chief I'm chief among sinners, my friend. Guys, could you give him a hand for Dan? Uh, What we're going to do now, I just want to pray with you, uh, pray for you, and then uh, we'll be dismissed for the night. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for um, just incredible stories, these God stories that we get to hear of of humans, of, of, of men at best, that you've somehow, some way, through your grace and through your spirit, you come and you take the heart of stone and make it clay, 
and then you, like a good potter, God, you just form, form us into your image. God, thank you for Dan and his, the story that you're continually to write and that he's continuing to live throughout uh, his life and his, his calling and his mission, God, on his life to point others to you. I thank you for his, his wonderful marriage to Deb, and I thank you for um, the influence that they've had over this, this church body for the past 20-plus years. And Father, would you put, continue to protect them and continue to allow them to um, um, have the influence that they do have on this, on this local congregation? Um, and would you bless their family, um, very specifically Luke? Father, we just pray that your spirit would just be um, just indwelled in him, God, and that, Father, his eyes would be open, um, even as we're praying for him right now, that, Lord, your spirit would come and, and dwell in his heart, and that he would have a, an encounter with the living God. Father, would you watch over this, this community? Would you protect us? In our coming and going until we meet again, Father, that your will be done. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. So your name we pray. Amen.